0: Did you hear about the crazy uh, guy that um he was living out of his car, okay, and he had like forty I don't know forty three, forty eight, uh, just an incredible amount of cats in, living in his car? Yeah, he and about forty five cats were were living in the car. Holy cow. You know what kind of car it was? What kind of car? I'm assuming that it was a Cadillac. <laughs> Raised by wolves with canine DNA in his blood, having trained more than 24,000 pets, helping you and your fur babies thrive. Live in studio, it's Pet Talk today with Will Bangura answering your pet behavior and training questions. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your host and favorite pet behavior expert. Will Bangura. Good Saturday morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to Pet Talk Today. If you're brand new to Pet Talk Today, let me talk a little bit about what we do. We're here each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Both myself and Jordan Marsteller were nationally certified professional dog trainers and behavior specialists. And not everybody can afford private in-home training. So Pet Talk today is here to be able to take your questions and provide you with practical solutions that will improve your dog's behavior. It doesn't matter whether you're dealing with a nuisance behavior like barking or jumping or stealing items or maybe begging. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with a serious behavior like two dogs fighting in the house or a dog that is aggressive towards strangers coming in the house. Maybe you got a baby coming and you're concerned about how do you introduce the baby to the dog. Maybe you got a dog with horrible separation anxiety because you got the dog during the pandemic and now you went back to work and the dog is absolutely freaking out. Doesn't matter what your problem is, doesn't matter what kind of dog you have, doesn't matter the breed, doesn't matter the age. We're here to help you deal with all of your pet behavior and training issues. Um so do us a favor. Hit that like button and go ahead and in the comment section, go ahead and comment where you're from and what kind of dog you have. Hey, and if you can post a picture of your dog in the comment section. We love that as well. Also, if you've got a question that you would like Jordan and myself to answer and help you with, if you've got a problem with your dog, you can either call the show and we're going to give you that number in just a second. Hey, we prefer you guys to call into the show because we can give more detailed answers because we get information from you. We're going to give that number in just a second, but you can also, if you're a little shy, don't be shy, give us a call. But you can type your questions into the comments section, and then we will go ahead and answer those as well. Well, good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning.
1: I am fantastic. You know, it's been a, it's been a minute. I think I've, the last two weeks I wasn't here. Yeah, we missed oh. you. Yeah, but uh I'm doing I'm doing pretty good. I'm I'm definitely enjoying uh being back. It was a nice break. You know, it wasn't the best circumstances why I was home, you know, sure. my grandfather and and his health, but he's he's doing really well. But uh yeah, I'm glad to be back.
0: I'm glad you're back too. Hey, do you want to go ahead and let our listeners know what's the phone number that they can call in on? to call into the show and ask their questions and then we'll answer those. Absolutely. Absolutely. For those of you with a
1: question, please give us a call at 602-525-6880. Again, that number is 602-525-6880. And we're standing by, I guess, while we wait. Um. It looks like we already have a question from Sandy in the uh, in the chat. OK, so Sandy wants to know how you can stop a chihuahua puppy from growling and running at senior cats in the home.
0: <clears throat> OK, that is a fantastic question. I'll, I'll revert that one to you, Will. Well, the first thing that we need to understand is growling is a behavior that's related to a emotional state of um, aggression. It is an aggressive act. But it's my contention that all aggression is based in fear. Absolutely. Because no animal goes into fight or flight unless they perceive something as threatening. Now, there might not be a real threat that you and I perceive. Right. And trust me, there doesn't always have to be a threat in the environment. Sometimes they're responding more to internal stimuli. Okay. They're misreading what's going on. But- what we need to do is change the emotional state of your dog so that when it sees the cat, it doesn't feel threatened. And then the dog's not going to feel the need to go ahead and act aggressively towards the cat. Okay. So one of the things that you need to do is arrange your environment so that this behavior cannot happen anymore. Now, That's not the answer to the problem. No, but that is something that we must do first, because if your dog continues to see the cat and continues to engage in this behavior, the dog continues to rehearse the behavior, then it just gets more and more conditioned. And it's very, very difficult, almost impossible to go ahead and change that. No, absolutely. Because it's reinforcing itself. Absolutely it is. Because what happens? Your dog growls and either the cat, you know, probably moves away. Maybe it swats at him. uh, Maybe you are concerned. So you pull the dog away or pick up the cat or pick up the dog. Um, When an animal is aggressive, they want distance and space. And you might be doing something to reinforce that behavior and keep making that functional. So if the behavior happens and you're removing the cat or removing the dog right now, that's been reinforcing the behavior. I don't know if you called in, we would be able to ask that question and get more information and help you more. So folks, that's why we want you to call in. Now, what you need to begin to do is only have the exposure with the dog and the cat, um, be training sessions right now. And about three to five times a week, if you can do it daily, that's great. About three to four times a day. You want to go ahead and have the cat out, bring the dog out, but you've got to have the cat and the dog apart at a distance where your dog sees and knows the cat's there, but your dog doesn't have a care in the world. And there is some space, I don't know what it is, that that's going to be the situation. Because every dog, every animal has what we call a circumference of comfort or circumference of discomfort. And there's a certain distance, they're okay, but then you get close enough and now they're not. We can't do the work at a distance where they've got concern. We've got to have distance. If that means that you have to put your cat in a carrier, if that means you have to have your dog on a leash and pull your dog back quite a ways. But what needs to happen is your dog sees the cat. So you've got the dog around the corner or something like that. And all of a sudden, boom, you pop out, sees the cat. As soon as it sees the cat, what you want to do with the most high value food rewards, bacon, cooked chicken, cooked Uh, steak, little tiny ones about the size of a pea, you're going to feed, 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 feed continuously and constantly for about two to three seconds while your dog sees the cat. And then either the cat's going to be removed so the dog doesn't see it, or the dog's going to be removed so the dog doesn't see the cat. But as soon as the cat's no longer in the dog's visual perception, the feeding stops. And you're going to do that over and over for about 10 to 15 minutes. Now, at any time, if your dog has concern, you've gone too close too soon. We're trying to counter condition this. We're trying to change the association that your dog has. Right now, it thinks the cat is a threat. We're trying to teach the dog, hey, when you see the cat, wonderful things happen. You get all this great food. Now, we're teaching a game to the dog. When the dog understands the game, when the dog is presented with the trigger, in this case, the cat, the dog will boom. Look to you right away for the food. When that happens, we can pretty much assume the dog understands the game. Absolutely. Now it should go a little quicker. At that point, we can move a little closer in our next training session. Okay. But again, if you moved closer and your dog has concern, You need to back it up. You've gone too close too soon. This is a very gradual and systematic process. None of it's difficult, but it is time-consuming, and it's inconvenient. And like I said, you need to do this three to five times a week. Uh, The sessions are going to be 10 to 15 minutes. Again, uh, the cat and dog are out of sight. Boom, all of a sudden, you arrange it so they come into a site, And then it's feed, 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 continuously, constantly for the dog the entire time the cat's in sight. Then they go out of sight and feeding stops. And you repeat that over and over and over. It's called counter conditioning. Right now your dog is conditioned when it sees the cat it is nervous, and then the behavior is it growls, okay? Exactly. We're changing that. We're counter-conditioning, where we're teaching your dog that, hey, when you see the cat, wonderful things happen. And little by little by little, we get closer and closer and closer, and little by little by little, your dog gets more and more comfortable. Now, knowing that your dog is nervous, you also need to manage the cat and make sure the cat's not harassing Absolutely, the dog. Absolutely, because cats are just assholes
1: they, man. well really you know and they do
0: little kitty kung fu yeah you know, and, and and that kind of stuff happen so hopefully hopefully that helps um and, and folks if you've got a problem where maybe your dog is aggressive towards anything this is the process that you're going to go no, through seriously so what i'm talking about with this cat you could do the same thing if the dog was nervous around kids you do the same thing if the dog is nervous around another dog or
1: sounds and
0: well sounds we're going to turn volume down versus distance we need to kind of get into those nuances if oh hey before we end the show, yes, we need to talk about Fourth of July. Oh and my god, fireworks. fireworks! Yes, fireworks! So Beautiful. We can, all right. So, do we have any more questions? Um, actually, um, we do. We do actually have a couple hey, questions. Do me but a I favor do want to
1: address something.
0: And and go ahead and give out the number first. Yeah. Okay. So again, for those of you
1: who would love to call in versus uh, type your question in, which I highly recommend. So, if we have any clarifying questions, the number to call is 602-525-6880. Again, that number is 602-525-6880. Please give us a call. We would love to have you here on the show. Now,
0: Yeah, you said you had some other things you wanted to address there.
1: Yeah, so Sandy actually responded while you were answering, and she said, I have been spraying with a squirt bottle, and it's been happening less. Well, let's talk about that real quick. Okay. So whenever you have a dog that is growling at anything whatsoever and you spray or you correct, you punish, you, punish. you, you use punish an aversive that behavior. Let me tell you what's going on. You're not actually stopping the dog from being aggressive. What you just did was you punished the dog for growling. So eventually... No behavior continues that is continuously punished. Eventually,
0: that behavior will go away. The growling goes the away. The growling okay. goes away. But guess what? Now you might have a dog that bites and doesn't warn with a growl. does growl. Exactly. Uh-huh. Exactly. And, and guess what? What happens? You're right. Already, the dog is nervous. The dog is anxious. The dog views the cat as a threat. And what happens? The cat appears, and the dog views the cat as a threat. And guess what? Guess it's Sandy? Uh, yes, yeah, Sandy. Guess what, Sandy? You just validated your dog's uh, vision of the universe being threatening by exactly. punishing the dog with the water. I know you know, you had the best intentions, but yeah. that will create anxiety. We all do it, and we all which do Which will make it by the accident. problem worse. Absolutely. In the long run. Now, anybody can punish a behavior and suppress Absolutely. it and shut that dog down temporarily. But the behavior, the growling, that's a symptom. The problem is the anxiety, the nervousness, the viewing the cat as a threat. And until you get to the root level and teach the dog to be calm and relaxed, you're not going to get the change in that emotional state that is the motivating factor for the aggression. Again, you punish aggression. Um, especially growling. Yeah, then you may have a dog that never gives a warning. So exactly. we never <clears throat> recommend punishing growling, and we never recommend using punishment for aggression, absolutely fears, or phobias. Now,
1: Gloria, Gloria, um, has a question as well. Ah, another trainer, uh, Sandy, followed up and said another trainer is the one who told her to spray the dog. Well, yeah. There's. Yeah, here's the
0: thing. Okay, let me let me just address that right. Yeah. Now. And then I'm going to get to your question, Gloria, as soon as yeah. he's finished. So, with this. Sandy and everybody else that's listening, you need to know this. Dog training is not a regulated industry. OK, that guy, the guy that was in the car with the 43 cats or so. Yeah. He could put up a website tomorrow, call himself a dog trainer and yeah. start doing business. There's no requirements for education. There's no requirement for certification. None. Anybody. And here's the thing. Most of the dog training that's going out there is based on tradition, okay, and somebody's ideas. Not based on science, not evidence-based. The only kind of training we do at my company, Phoenix Dog Training, everything is evidence-based. Everything is science-based. Absolutely. We know that... Punishment only works in the short term, that in the long run, it will actually get worse, that you're putting a Band-Aid on the problem. You're just wiping it or pr- brushing it under the carpet. Um, but it will come back. It'll come back to bite you, no pun intended. But It'll be kind of rough when it does, too. <laughs> too. <laughs> rough, rough, <laughs> rough. Yes, exactly. So, yeah, um, I'm sure the trainer had really good intentions. Right. Um, but like I said, you know, most trainers, they don't have any formal education. Right. Um, like myself and Jordan, who have taken the time to make sure that, you know, we've gone to college. We've gotten degrees, advanced degrees. We are nationally certified professional dog trainers. Absolutely. Um, and there's only, you know, a a handful, a handful. And then out of the dogs of the
1: dogs, out of the trainers who actually specialize in aggression, fears, and phobias, I think we may actually be the only ones in the Valley that are certified. That are certified. Yeah. Yeah. So now Gloria, you had a fantastic question. Um, Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Let's see. Okay. I found your question again. So Gloria asks, she says, my two-year-old standard poodle stalks and pounces on my older rescue dog. The rescue dog is afraid to walk to the back of the house because of this. It sounds a bit more complicated, but please help. Firstly, I'm going to answer what you wrote here, but if you're listening still, Gloria, please call us 602-525-6880. Again, that is 602- five, two, five, six, eight, eight, zero. I'm going to have a few follow-up questions that I'd like to ask you. The first thing you need to do in this specific situation is you need to set it up in a way that your rescue dog is able to live without the fear of the other dog pouncing on him. Okay. What that means is supervise or confine. That is the first step. What that means is if your two-year-old, I think you said it's a standard poodle, Oh, it looks like we're receiving a phone call right now. Maybe this
0: is Gloria. Go ahead. This might be
1: Gloria. Gloria. I'm going to go ahead and take this really quickly. Hi, how are you This is Jordan with uh, Pet Talk Today. What's your name and where are you calling from?
2: This is Cindy, and I'm calling from Yuma, Arizona.
1: Ah, hello, hello, Cindy.
0: Hello, Go hello. ahead and take Cindy's call. We're Gloria, oh, we're, we're going to go back, back to Gloria. you because our callers take uh, priority. Absolutely.
1: Okay, so how's it going, Cindy? What's
0: your question?
2: Well, I'm doing a follow-up. I called a couple weeks ago. Cindy, Cindy, do me a
0: favor. Um, If you've got your volume up on the computer, can you turn that down? Because we're getting kind of an echo with that. And and just listen on the phone and talk to us on the phone. And then when we're off the phone, you can bring your computer back on as far as the volume, okay? Okay, is
1: that better? That is much better. Go ahead, Jordan. Perfect. So now what's your question? You said you called in before.
2: Yeah, I called them before about my shepherds. that kept getting up on the counters and the tables, and I had a zap collar for him. Right. Um, well, it wasn't doing too well, but we solved the situation.
1: Awesome. How, how did you fix it? What were you doing?
2: I went and rescued two little puppies, and he's acting like a father dog, and he teaches them not to do it. And he's calmed way down.
0: That's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Sometimes when you bring some other pets into the environment, they're not as bored. And sometimes this behavior becomes, Hey, I'm bored. I got nothing else to do. All of a sudden, you know, my nose is my dominant sense. So, you know, the dog starts to, um, Wander around the house, leading itself by the nose. And and I don't know if there was food on the countertop or or whether. It
2: was everything. He got into everything. And he wouldn't leave our 15-year-old dog alone. He wanted to play constantly. Mm -hmm. And these puppies just run him, and they give him a dose of his own medicine. Yeah. One thing I want to
0: caution you, because, um, you know, we've, I've been doing this for about, I don't know, 36 years professionally. Yeah. But we get this a lot. Um. Don't be surprised. In about sixty to ninety days, that dog reverts right back to its yeah. behavior. Yeah. Oh,
2: I hope not, because he's smart as a whip. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and the he, thing about- he's been he's been doing really good. I mean, he's got something potty trained. Because they had they came from a bad environment. They were uh, yeah. malnutrition, eating out of trash, and. Make sure, it
0: was really bad. make sure that, you know, especially during these 60 to 90 days, you are doing regular training with the dog. That's going to make, it's going to make a big difference. Okay. Um, yes. and I want you, and I don't know if, you know, you and I spoke, but you want to always think in terms of what behavior do I want the dog to do? It's easy to say, Oh, I don't want the dog to do this and punish the dog. But again, that increases the anxiety and right. it usually just temporarily suppresses the behavior. But the other thing we want to do is, Hey, Hey, what else can the dog do? And if we have the dog, when it wants to jump on the counter, do something else and reward it and do that over and over and over that behavior of getting on that counter is going to extinguish. And the dog's going to want to do the behavior that it's getting rewarded for.
2: Right. He now has a favorite toy. He likes to play with. Perfect. That awesome. makes a squeaky noise. Um, Good. So So, when he's doing really good, we let him have the toy. And when he does what he's supposed to, he gets the toy.
1: Perfect. Well, we do appreciate you taking the time to give us a call and give us an update. Um, Please, as things go on, don't hesitate. Update us on how everything's going. Thanks for calling in, Cindy. Have a wonderful day. I will definitely
2: do that. Thank you. You too.
0: No, I just want to say something, okay? Um, I'm not against any tool. Right. And I think any tool can be used humanely if you know how to use it properly. Absolutely. But I'm not a big fan of lay people, non professionals, and even some professionals don't have skills using a tool like an electronic collar. Right used improperly it can psychologically damage the dog
1: personally and
0: and here's the thing that people don't realize yeah it can ruin your relationship with the dog absolutely
1: because your dog your dog needs to be able to trust you your dog has to be able to trust well, and, you
0: and this and is what i've been focusing on yeah. so much is that um it's easy to punish absolutely that's the a trainer that's not fair here's to the, the dog thing. if you're if you
1: if you hire a trainer and they tell you that they are going to use an e-collar and they're going to put an e-collar on every single dog no matter what doesn't matter that's what they have to do this is the way that they train yada 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 they're lazy so, and they exactly. lack skills exactly like like don't get me don't don't get me wrong you know before I, before i learned more training skills and before i rounded out my own training repertoire I did. I used just punishment because right. that's what I was taught. Mm-hmm. That's what I was taught. And it works. It works. But it shuts the dog down. You have to know. Now that else.
0: you've kind of made that transition yeah. to mostly positive reinforcement absolutely what have you seen different
1: oh my gosh i've seen dogs that are just excited to do the work they're happy they're They're so
0: happy like bouncy happy animated loving it wanting to have more time with you and do it it's just this fun thing
1: right absolutely absolutely now back to gloria so so gloria you you asked Basically, you have a two year old standard poodle and then an older rescue and your standard poodle is jumping on your older rescue. Step one, like we said, you need to first alter the environment so that your poodle can no longer jump on your rescue dog. I apologize. So uh, the first thing is, yeah, no, that's exactly what it is. I didn't bring COVID into the house, I promise. (laughs) No, but the first step is you're going to supervise or confine. Let's talk about supervision and let's talk about confinement. Supervision means that your dog is on leash connected to you where you are able to monitor their every move all day long. The only time that your dog is not on leash and connected to you is if they are confined. The reason why you're doing this is because every time that your dog, your poodle gets to jump on your older rescue, It is just reinforcing the behavior. It's learning, oh, if mom's not watching, I can get away with this. That's the first thing you need to do. Next, I want you to invest in a place cot, okay? Get yourself a place cot and start teaching your poodle how to place, all right? And we are going to start keeping our poodle on that place cot every single day for about an hour
0: hey, let's tell her yeah. because a lot of people don't know that term so a place yeah. cot is an elevated dog cot it's up about two inches off the ground it's got like mesh material if you go to amazon and you put in dog uh elevated cot or even dog place cot i learned will. yep okay yep. just learned that a yesterday. bunch of them come up and i think there's great ones for like 27 bucks it's yeah cheap. absolutely definitely cheap. absolutely Now, once you have taken that place
1: cot and you're starting to teach your dog how to place, your goal is to keep your poodle on that cot for an hour every single day. Once your dog is getting really good at staying on there, you're then going to start bringing your rescue around, walking the rescue by as a distraction, things like that. And you're showing your dog, your poodle, that they can stay here on this place cot even when the rescue is In and around and walking around and doing things, okay? After that, once you've started introducing the rescue as a distraction, we are now going to start providing alternative behavior, all right? Basically, you're going to monitor their play. You're going to let them interact with each other, monitored, on leash. And then if your poodle becomes too much, starts getting rowdy, immediately place, put him on the place cot, reward him.
0: And if he doesn't... Oh, and we may have a caller we do have for a Pet caller. Talk today. We're going to get back to
1: your question, though. If this is a caller, this is Jordan with Pet Talk today. What state? Your name and location, and what's your question?
2: Uh, this is Gloria. Oh, <laughs> there the you are. Good. Good. It's we're glad Gloria. that you it's called. Taken it taking me this long, and I can't get back onto Facebook. Oh, well, like, okay. Oh, your...
1: Well, Gloria, Here we, we go. were actually we were actually answering your questions. So, um. Let me kind of give a little recap as to what we were talking about before. So basically what I said was step one is you need to go ahead and start implementing the rules supervise or confine in your everyday life. All right. Mm -hmm. Basically, what that means is your poodle needs to be on leash, connected to you in your eyesight. That way you can make sure that they are no longer harassing your older rescue. (laughs) <laughs> okay. okay. Now, the reason why you do this is because in the event that they do start trying to harass, you can redirect. And then when they aren't trying to harass, you can reward the, you can reward that behavior. All right. Now, then you're going to invest in a elevated cot. a It's an elevated bed called right. a dog place cot. Okay. Right. Once you have one of those, start teaching your poodle how to do the place command. There are plenty of videos on YouTube. In fact, I think we might have some that if you email us at info at PetTalkToday.com, that's I-N-F-O at PetTalkToday.com, we might have we might have a few things that we can send you to help yeah, you if, out with if, that.
0: Yeah, if, if, um, if anybody out there wants to learn how to train their dog to go on place, one of these elevated cots, and stay there with heavy distractions, send us an email. We'll send you links to three videos that go through in-depth how to teach that place command. You can send your email to info at PetTalkToday.com. That's info at PetTalkToday.com. And in the uh, subject heading, just put in place, P-L-A-C-E. Again, info at PetTalkToday.com. Email us, put place in the subject. We'll send you links for three videos in depth how to teach that place. Absolutely. Absolutely. So now,
1: now that you've started teaching your dog, how to place your goal is to try and keep your poodle on that place cot for about an hour straight every day. Just put them on there and keep them there. Start teaching that dog that they can stay there and everything will be a okay. Once they're getting really good at staying on that cot, you're going to start introducing your older rescue as a distraction. Okay. And you're going to be bringing your older rescue out, walking them around, showing them, showing your poodle that they can stay there on that cot, even with the older rescue out and about and doing their thing. Okay. Mm -hmm. then that's when you're going to start monitoring their play and their interaction. So you're going to bring them back together and let them play together and interact and be in the same area. If the poodle becomes rowdy, starts going above and beyond, your job is then to redirect your poodle onto the place cot and then reward. You will do this over and over and over every single time that your poodle becomes rowdy, redirect to the place cot and then reward. All right. And this is going to start teaching that alternative behavior. So in your, in your poodles mind, they'll go, man, I really want to get rowdy. But every time that I do, mom sends me to the place cot. I might as well just go there. And that is the end goal.
0: You know, I was doing something on the computer here while you were talking, Jordan. But um, I don't know. Maybe you covered it. But one of the things that I tell people too is, yeah, the dog might be getting excited in that context, right? But if I've got a dog that does that, I'm going to cap their excitability across the board. That's a fantastic. No matter idea. what they're doing, no matter where they are. So, just can you just touch on that, just real briefly? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So basically,
1: what you're going to be doing here is when Ever you notice your dog, no matter what, if your dog start, if your poodle just starts going crazy, getting the zoomies, whatever it is, redirect that behavior. to place. Give them a place. Send them to place immediately and then reward. Then you're going to start capturing calm behaviors as well. So if your poodle is just relaxing, and being all cool, just laying down on the ground in the corner, reward. Mark and reward that behavior. The general idea here is this, right? If every single time that you walk by a dumpster, you find a $20 bill, you're going to make sure that you walk (laughs) by that dumpster, right?
2: Yeah. Exactly. Uh, So if
1: every time your dog is calm, cool, and collected, she's getting food shoved down her throat, she's going to be like, you know what? I should probably be calm, cool, and collected more often. Does that make sense?
2: Yes. Perfect, perfect. Most of the time, he is, but this one habit with the stalking, you know, and he used to hurt her,
1: yeah, so you whenever you notice that, you just got to redirect to place.
0: All okay, right. but
2: that usually, that usually happens outdoors in the backyard.
0: You can have yep. a place caught a place outdoors. Caught yep. And have a long line. You know, mm-hmm. you, you, can have, um, you can have a long line on the dog outside. You can have a 20-foot long leash, a, a 30-foot, 50-foot, not a retractable. You can go get these very right. long leashes, okay? And that way you have control over the dog. And you can have that place caught again um, outside. And I would start teaching place inside, teaching place outside, teaching place in lots of different locations. Because one of the things that we have to do in training is realize that we have to get the dog to generalize these behaviors. Right. And learning is context specific. Just because your dog might be able to sit or go to place in the living room doesn't mean it's going to happen when right. we go outside. So we got to train everywhere.
1: Oh my gosh, that's the absolute truth. But Gloria, I hope that that answers your question. Um, Okay. And I hope you have a fantastic day. Thanks for calling into the show.
2: Okay, thank you so Um, much. Bye-bye. Bye Bye. (laughs) now.
1: All right, so it looks like we actually have another question from Diane from Southern California. Hey, before
0: you take that question, hey folks, um, if you're just joining us, I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk Today. We're here each and every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. where we help you with your dog and cat, training and behavior problems. So if you've got a question, go ahead and either type it into the comment section if you'd like help from us. And also, we'd prefer that you actually call in so we can get more information from you. Jordan, please give our, our phone the call-in number. Absolutely, that number is 602-525-6880.
1: Again, that is 602- Five two five six eight eight zero. And with that being said, I do just want to remind everybody that we are doing this from our own studio, and sometimes we do experience a little technical difficulties. Give it like two minutes before you call in my the the phone for calling in just froze. Oh, yeah, so, so if you want to make a call, give it like two minutes. Again, that number is six zero two five two five six eight eight zero. Now,
0: before we go into that question that you were going to talk about, Jordan, um, one of the things that um, that I wanted to, to just mention to people that are watching. Um, this is a labor of love for us. Absolutely. Not everybody. A lot of people can't afford professional in-home training, especially from a really qualified professional. Um, so that's why we do this. Um, this takes our time. It takes our money. We don't get anything back from it. We don't make you listen to commercials. We're not telling you to go to Patreon and give us money for special stuff. All this is free. So do us a favor Spread the word. Would you please hit your share button right now and share this video with everybody? Absolutely. Please hit that share button. Also, please hit the like button because that makes a difference. How many likes we get on the video and how many shares we get, that makes a huge difference as far as Facebook putting it out there for people to see. Absolutely. So the more you hit that like button, the more you hit that share button, the more you comment in the comment section, the more this information gets out across the board. Okay, Jordan, you were going to take a question.
1: Absolutely. So Diane from Southern California. Hello, hello, Diane. Welcome to the show. So she has a five-month-old golden retriever. She has only had her for about 2 weeks now. What is the best way to introduce her to the in-ground swimming pool? How to swim, get in and out of the pool, things mm-hmm. like that. And thank you in advance. So, you know, this is this is all about something that I that is called successive approximation. What that means, that's just a really fancy word Lots for of baby, baby steps. steps. Exactly. It's a fancy word for baby steps. What you're going to do is let's start out really, really simple. Take your dog in and around the pool. And if the dog looks over at the pool, you know, wants to even get near it, give it some treats. Maybe sprinkle some treats near the steps, things like that. And when your dog is getting close to that, don't force, don't push your dog. Let your dog discover it on their own with a little coaxing, okay? And as they're getting close to the steps, getting near the pool, just lots of love, lots of praise, make it really fun and short. It's got to be short. Allow your dog to decide the level of exposure, especially in the beginning. So if your dog wants to go over there, grab the treats and come away, that's fine. That's where we can start. Show the dog that they can go over to those steps and they're safe and they're fine, And you do this over and over and over again, and eventually your dog is going to be running over to those steps and be like, hey, where's my food, mom? Hey, where's my food, mom? When your dog is showing that they're really comfortable and happy in that instance near those steps, now we take it a little bit further at that point you are then going to maybe you're going to step into the pool and we now have treats and we're giving them treats and then you make a move towards that edge just a little bit. You start luring them towards that first step. Okay. And maybe, maybe you have a dog that's really hesitant and doesn't want to put that paw down onto the step. That's fine. So then take a small baby step of the dog leaning to get that treat and give them the treat. But the next goal is to get that paw onto the first step. And you're just going to slowly, step by step, get them further and further into the pool. All right? And you'll, every, every time that you're getting your dog further into the water, it, you may have to stay on that, pun intended, step of training for a week, two weeks. Every dog is different. It really, really depends. And I'm going to kind of hand it over to Will and let, why is that happening? I have no idea why my sound is on suddenly, but, uh, but yeah, Will, what would you like to add when it comes to training for the pool?
0: Well, one of the things that I'd like to add is, you know, I think it's best if you get, uh, the dog, a vest, you know, that floats. Okay. Um, and before you, you know, just put that on for the dog, you're going to have to start conditioning the dog to like that too. So you might present the vest to the dog, feed, 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 move the vest away, present the vest to the dog feed 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 move the vest out of sight and then you might begin to bring it close to the dog's body as if you're going to put it on feed 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 pull it away bring it close to the dog feed 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 pull it away Again, this is baby steps, successive approximation. Maybe you the hole right where the it goes around the dog's head and neck. You put that vest around the dog's head and neck. Feed, 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 feed. Take it off. Yeah. Do that for a while. So little baby steps. It's not just about taking that vest and slapping it on the dog. That that'd be like putting a straight jacket on you. How would you like that? Right. Okay. Absolutely. But you know, if I said, hey look at the straight jacket and gave you a hundred bucks. And I said, Hey, just kind of put your hand in there two inches. And I gave you a hundred bucks. I said, Hey, put your hand in there five inches, give you another hundred bucks. Hey, put your arm in there all the way, another hundred dollars. And little by little got that straight jacket on the individual. They're starting to get pretty excited about these hundred dollars that are coming out. So, so it's no different with the dogs. We do that with food. Now, one of the things that I also like to do is I like to have a, um, about a 10 foot long line on the dog. Okay. Um, because if the dog gets in the water, I can go ahead and kind of steer the dog around with that line. If you need to steer the dog around, you start reaching in there towards the dog to guide them. You might get scratched yeah. up pretty, pretty good. Yeah, you're Okay. Right. Yeah. So what I recommend is if that, um, floating vest, that flotation vest for dogs has a, um, clip on there where you can clip the leash to you'd want to do it to the front so that way you can you know steer the dog around the other thing that happens when dogs get in the pool you don't realize this not every dog knows how to swim nope. a lot of dogs we got to teach so what happens they get in the pool all of a sudden boop they're yep. up and down rather than being horizontal they're vertical well guess what if you've got that leash on the dog and you start moving quickly and pull that leash, oh, all of a sudden the body comes up and you can teach them how to
1: swim that way. Fun fact of the day, fun fact of the day. There is not besides maybe maybe a platypus i don't know i don't know don't quote me on this but i'll tell you this much for dogs alone i was going to say mammals but dogs are not born knowing how to swim none of them dogs i will say that again dogs are not born knowing how to swim
0: if you've got a dog that just starts swimming automatically and does a great job hey icing on the cake yeah. you know i had two labrador retrievers that didn't know how to swim and yeah. they're water dogs they're, lab- they're, yeah, they're labs, labs. Absolutely. So no, let
1: me tell you something, right? I remember growing up, I had a chocolate lab. Her name was Daisy, okay? And I loved this dog, but she hated the water. But I was a five-minute walk from the beach. I lived five minutes away from the beach. So I'd take her to with me to the beach all the time. Then one day I got a cat, and Daisy and this cat got along so very well. Took the cat and Daisy to the beach. You know who was in the water? Mm, it was The, the cat. Water. The oh. cat was in the water. My point is animals will surprise you every single day. It is I love it. I love it. Oh, okay. Actually, we have another question from Stephanie. Okay. Hello Stephanie. Hello. Okay. Hey Stephanie. So, Stephanie has a Chihuini, um half dachshund, half chihuahua. Um when he's on the bed, what, he kind of, won't, what kind of dog is it? A cheweenie. half, half, half Dachshund, half Chihuahua. Ooh,
0: that's a scary yeah. mix right yeah. there. All right. Yeah. A
1: cheweenie. Now, uh, when he is on the bed, he won't allow the other dog up. He starts to growl. Why hmm. would he do that is her question. Hmm. Well, let's first just say this. You have a resource guard. Plain and simple
0: in the simplest way,
1: this is resource
0: guarding, guarding, right? Yeah. Anything can be a resource. Doesn't have to be food or toy. Yeah, absolutely. It can be a person.
1: It could be a location. It could be really and truly anything
0: at all. Now, those that have been listening for a while, and I don't know if, if when you came into the show, but one of the things I said earlier on is that it's my contention That all aggression is based in fear. Absolutely. No animal goes into fight or flight unless they perceive something is threatening. There might not be a real threat. All it takes is some animal to perceive a threat. So you asked, why does my dog do the growling? Your dog is anxious and nervous. About losing something. Resource guarding
1: is the fear of scarcity. Right. Plain and simple. So for whatever reason, your dog perceives... That the bed is a scarce resource; that it is not something that they get often. So, what you need to do this—it's a—it's a—it's a thorough process. But to fix this, step one, you need to get in contact with a behavior specialist. That is the first step. If you're located here in the valley, especially, you can contact us at Phoenix Dog Training. Um, but because this resource guarding, how I—I I would actually have a follow-up question as to um, how
0: old this dog is stephanie how old is this dog the other thing i've got a question has the dog ever here let me put myself on camera has the dog ever had any gi issues oh my gosh explain I completely explain about that. Yes. why having problems with gi issues Absolutely. is something we ask when it comes to resource Absolutely.
1: guarding so here's the thing approximately 80 percent of your neurotransmitters start forming in the gut. They start in the stomach, especially serotonin. Now serotonin is directly linked. So let me, let me reword that. The f- lack thereof is directly linked to aggression, fear, and anxiety, anxiety, and fear. Yes. Okay. So if you have bad gut health, you're already diminishing 80% of the supply of your neurotransmitters, 80% percent of the stuff that makes your brain
0: tick feel good stuff that feel you good. need yep. so and, and here's the thing a lack of serotonin affects memory and learning as well and yeah absolutely it absolutely it does and the other thing is that there's been research out there that dogs that had poor gut health had more resource guarding issues absolutely so that's why whenever we have a resource
1: guarder Whenever we always, even if they don't have GI issues, which Stephanie is saying that she that this dog doesn't and that he's seven years old. Mm. Um, well, uh,
0: at seven when years did old, this behavior yep, start is my yep, question. Exactly. Because, you know, as a dog gets older and, and let's see, she's got a little tiny dog. So yeah. Seven's not yeah. seven's not necessarily that old right, yeah. for that dog. Um, but the thing about it is. Is that we also rule out any medical conditions. If your dog has any painful conditions, and you know, dogs are really tolerant. You know, a lot of times they're in pain, you don't even know it. If your dog has oral health issues, if your dog has um, visual or auditory deficits, these are all things that are always going to exacerbate that issue. Um, But the first thing I'm going to say is um, when a dog is. Acting out aggressively um, in a room bedroom bed piece of furniture um, the first thing I do is they lose that privilege okay they lose that privilege and not just losing the privilege but I cannot allow the dog to continue to rehearse that behavior absolutely so I've got to arrange the environment okay I've got to manage things first so that doesn't spark sent a long notification I haven't so we, we have to avoid the situation to begin with because if the dog continues to rehearse the behavior, it continues to get conditioned, the dog continues to view uh, this as a threat, it continues to guard the resource of you in the bedroom and the bed. Um, and once we've done that, now the exposure are controlled. They're part of a training regiment. And we have to do this in a very, very specific way. Um, Multiple dogs having aggression issues in the house, whether it's just growling or whether they're actually fighting and hurting each other. Uh, Resource guarding. These are some really complicated... Uh, complicated behavior issues to resolve, and that's why Jordan said um, things like that. You may really need to contact a professional. If you're in Phoenix, you can contact us at Phoenix Dog Training. You can go to our website, phoenixdogtraining.com. Again, that's phoenixdogtraining.com. You can also give us a call at Phoenix Dog Training at six zero two seven six nine one four one one again that's six oh two seven six nine one four one one or phoenixdogtraining.com we've talked a little bit about counter conditioning um for example with the cat okay that the late i don't know if you heard the lady with the cat but uh, little by little getting them closer and closer and closer pairing the exposure uh, with the trigger in this case the other dog right yep absolutely it's the other dog um You've got to have them at a distance and you've got to create comfort with that other dog getting close to the dog you're talking about that has an issue outside of the bedroom, outside of the bed. Our, you know, my question would be, does this only happen in
1: the bedroom? Um, it looks like we even have an issue of the dog being protective over her yep. and she doesn't like people or other Animals, I guess, giving her attention, mm-hmm. and he acts like uh like protecting,
0: yeah, yeah, the other thing um that will be helpful, there's two things that are going to be helpful in yeah. addition to that one teaching that place command, absolutely your dog cannot be committed to a behavior like staying on an elevated place cot and going after strange people right. uh, dog, what have you, but That's an alternative behavior training that. And you got to put the time in to do that so that when these triggers come, you can put the dog on that place. Okay. Um, The other thing is you got to be careful somewhere, somehow this behavior is being reinforced. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know if you're picking the dog up when this happens. I don't know if you make the two dogs separate when this happens. Your dog that's growling wants distance and space. So my question is, what happens right after your dog growls? Does something happen that then creates some distance and space? Because if that happens, it reinforces your dog's behavior. That behavior becomes functional. Your dog is uncomfortable with the other dog coming into the bedroom, the bed, the resources near you. So it acts out aggressively to create distance and space. Usually if a dog's acting out aggressively, either the owner pulls them away Yep, she or just the, said that she makes them separate after. Yeah, exactly. And so that is a very functional behavior. And that's why you've got to set up the environment where they cannot have that happen. If that means separation a little bit for right now, then that's what you've got to do. And like I said, this is complicated. Um we did what? 5 shows? Oh my god. 5 hours just just on resource. Guarding. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it is, um, it is a challenge. If you would like some specific information, a step-by-step protocol written out on, um, object guarding, resource guarding, um, you can, again, send us an email info, At PetTalkToday.com, that's info at PetTalkToday.com. And then in the subject, just put resource guarding, and we can send that to you. But again, anytime you're dealing with significant aggression, if it is significant, especially if anyone or any animal's getting hurt... Please call a professional. Absolutely. Uh, even even professionals ch- are challenged with this. Absolutely. We it's, don't want it's anybody not an easy thing We don't want fix. anybody getting hurt. No, and I genuinely
1: do believe that resource guarding, especially location resource guarding is arguably in my own opinion, you may feel differently, but in my opinion, the hardest thing that I have to train is location guarding. It's it's very complicated. It is very very complicated. It requires a very finesse hand. Um, it's, it's something that if you do it wrong, you can really, really mess things up and put people or your dogs into a dangerous situation.
0: The other thing that I want to mention is that we've got an article and a podcast that's embedded in the article on leadership. How to be a pack leader. Oh, absolutely. Leadership. Do you remember what uh, episode that was? I do not, but I can tell you because yeah. I have it Look right Look up here. that episode and we'll tell you, hey, if you haven't subscribed to the Pet Talk Today podcast, you're going to want to do that because we do podcast shows also that we don't do on Facebook Live. Um, we do take the Facebook Live shows oftentimes in the audio of that and put it on the podcast, but we do... Very special podcast just for the podcast as well. And what I'm talking about is the leadership podcast and how to be a pack leader. But if you go to any of the podcast hosting platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, just look up Pet Talk Today and make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And hey, if you like what we do, please go to Apple Podcasts, subscribe to the Pet Talk Today podcast. Please give us a review. I can't say that enough. I, I ask people, if you like what we do, please give us a review on Apple Podcast. And I know it's a pain and, and it's work, but that's what allows us to rank higher. More people get to hear Absolutely. from that. What was now, that episode? That
1: episode number, if you go to Pet Talk Today
0: on Spotify, is episode number 55. Go to Apple Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so you can leave us a review on Apple podcasts Because they're, they're the ones that matter. That's right.
1: I, just, I, I, I joined the dark side. I joined the dark side. So we have a couple questions. Okay. Okay. All right. So I've got Angel. Angel says, my two dogs used to have issues like that and still do once in a while. Oh, let's see. So she, Angel says, Angel says that uh, their two dogs used to have issues like that and still do once in a while since letting the older dog eat first and go out the door first and come in the door first, sometimes they will get into a fight. They would separate them, but not for long periods of time. And then they would go for a walk. All three of them try to get along better that way. Oh, well, then I see. Oh, I see that you've basically what Angel is saying, that they change things around, change, you know, the management, change the environment. And that appears to be helping with the problem. And that's that's a real fact, guys. The first step after you address medical is looking at the environment. This is looking at the environment. How can I alter my environment to make this better for everyone involved? I'm really glad to hear that that's working for you, Angel. Next, from Lynn Schroeder, we have an 11 month old Malinois that will not stop jumping on them when they come into the house. She knows down and off, but will not listen when they first get home. Any suggestions? Well, welcome to the show, Lynn. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I'm pretty certain I know who this is. I think this is uh, actually my client that I saw this morning. Oh, okay. I well, <laughs> appreciate your business. Yeah. <laughs> so, Lynn, to answer your question, I'm assuming this is Lena, the dog that I'm not working with. <laughs> so, that's a slick way yeah, to get yeah. two for one, huh? No, <laughs> <laughs>
0: just kidding.
1: <laughs> Anyways, so for, I'm assuming this is Lena. So, for Lena, what you're going to do, Lynn, is the first step is you need to invite, invoke the 10 minute rule in your house. So when you walk through that door for 10 minutes, your dog does not exist, period. The only exception is if it's life, limb or eyesight or if you need to put your dog out to go to the bathroom. Other than that, you come through the door, you ignore them, don't look at them, don't pet them, nothing at all. And everybody that enters your home needs to follow this exact same rule every day, all right? So basically, when you come in, Anybody comes in, tell them, don't mess with the dog, don't pet the dog, don't look at the dog, don't say the dog's name, nothing for 10 whole minutes. This is teaching the dog that when people come through the door, nothing fun happens, so there's no reason for me to be excited. Now, the next thing that you're going to do, when your dog does jump, you are going to completely ignore that behavior. Turn your back on the dog, stop allowing the interaction don't push your dog off don't don't do any of that cuz that's interaction that is attention and jumping is an attention seeking behavior okay and turn your back on them. Now, you may experience what is known as an extinction burst. I actually think we might have talked about an extinction burst at the lesson this morning. But and it's, you will notice an extinction burst where suddenly Lena is going to become very extremely excited. She is going to start jumping even more. She might become super frustrated. You have to just fight through that. Once your dog stops jumping on you, start moving again. And then if they jump again, stop. Turn your back on them. And that's the first step. Okay, so I want you to try that for a little while, then give us an update in about, you know, maybe next week's show or the week after. Give us an update as to how things are going and how things are working. And then if we need to, we can troubleshoot it a little bit more and give you a little bit more advice. All right. I hope that answers your question. Thanks for asking. (laughs) Yep. She said, yep, it is her. All right. (laughs)
0: Very good. All right. Do we have any more questions? Um, No. It looks like
1: right now that's it. All right. So we're gonna
0: go. We might go a little bit over because one of the things I wanted to cover, um, if we didn't, if we ran out of questions, was hey, a lot of dogs have fears and phobias when it comes to noises, loud noises. When it comes to fireworks, the Fourth of July is right around the corner. And I want to talk about two things. I want to talk about how to get your dog more relaxed when it comes to fireworks. And I want to talk about medication. Now, I'm not a veterinarian. Jordan's not a veterinarian. We're not giving out medical advice. We're talking about our experience. I'm going to teach you real quick how to get your dog more relaxed with fireworks, but there's not a lot of time. And I don't know if you're going to get your dog there by the 4th of July. If you've got a dog that really suffers, on the 4th of July. Please talk to your veterinarian about getting some medication absolutely. to absolutely calm them down. The one of the best medications that's out there and it's not hardly sedating at all. It's called Celio. So write that down. Celio. S I L E O. Celio. Spell it again. S I L E O. And so please and and listen, it's you can't find it everywhere. So call the vet right away. Um, hopefully you don't have to use it. But have that on hand, okay? Absolutely. Have that on hand. Talk to the vet about that. Your, your pets shouldn't suffer. The other thing I want to talk about is when it happens um, and your dog is nervous, we want to go into the quietest area of the house. That typically is going to be a closet. And hopefully you got a walk-in closet. That would be great. Um, that is like soundproof because of all the clothes and everything that's in there. Um, closets are usually an inner room with outer rooms around them. Um, also, when you go in that closet with your dog, turn up the radio. And what kind of music do dogs like? Oh, believe it or not, man, it's the reggae. It's the reggae, <laughs> man. Cool. <laughs> that's terrible. You know, but that's but terrible. but everybody thought it's classical. Yeah. No, and it's then reggae. when we actually did studies, dogs like reggae. Absolutely, that, that's the genre that they love. So play some uh, Bob Marley. Yeah. Absolutely. For your dog and yourself, if you and, feel like partaking with Bob, go ahead and do do that as well. Especially especially Um, if
1: you live, don't give,
0: don't (laughs) give any of that to the dog. It's toxic. It is. Um, You know, I
1: want to take that one step further though, since we have time before 4th of July, I want you to pick a playlist of reggae music. Go on and build one of stuff that you
0: like. That they can go ahead and, and, and download. I wanna,
1: yeah, go on and download it. And then I want you to start counter conditioning it. So basically, mm. I want you to start playing this music right now with your dog at low, low levels every day. Do this for like 15, 30, 45, an hour Every single day and pair it with lots of high value food. Low, low volume doesn't have to be loud. Your dog just has to hear it and pair it. Feed, 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 feed,
0: feed, 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 stop, stop feeding, play, Feed, 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 feed. Hit the stop button. Exactly, and do this
1: now. Why are you having to exactly. do that? Exactly. The reason why is what's going to happen is, eventually, if most people are familiar with Pavlovian theory, Pavlov's dog, classical conditioning, learning through association. So the idea is Pavlov had these dogs in this bell. He would ring the bell. The dogs would begin to salivate because the bell. What well, was actually a tone? It wasn't a bell. He would play the tone. The dogs would salivate because what would happen is tone. And then food would come, tone, food would come, tone, food would come, tone, food would come. Eventually the dogs hear the tone and they go, <gasps> food. And, and they and, start salivating. And they start salivating. That's what I want to happen with the music. I want as soon as that Bob Marley, every little thing's going to be all right, right? Once that starts playing, your dog goes, "Ah, oh, food, this feels good. It's firing off serotonin, dopamine, the feel good stuff, right? Those things just start firing off in your dog's brain now. In that moment, when we're in that closet and I press play on that music, it is immediately going to thrust your dog into a happy mindset, a great place. Exactly. Now,
0: on another aspect, we want to get the dog to view that, uh, I was going to say thunder, same thing, whether (laughs) we're doing storms, but the fireworks, we want to turn that into a positive thing. So um, what you're going to do is you're going to get firework sounds Absolutely. and you're going to Play them over a Bluetooth speaker, but you're going to do it this way. At the lowest volume, dog can hear it, but it's very low. Press play, feed, 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 feed for two to three seconds. Press stop, stop feeding. Do that again. Press play of the sound of the fireworks. Feed, feed, feed constantly and continuously for two to three seconds. Press stop, stop feeding. You're going to do that for a while. When the dog loves that, turn it up just a little bit and do it again. And when the dog loves that, turn it up just a little bit and do it again. Now, I don't know how fast we can turn it up for your dog. Every dog's different. You can only work as fast as the dog's pace. But the idea here, because dogs are very black and white, cause and effect, uh, association-type learners, when we associate the wonderful high-value food with the presentation of the sound of the fireworks, The dog starts to change its emotional state because food's a good thing. But if it's too loud too soon, we're just reinforcing the anxiety and the fear. So you got to do this very, very gradually. Again, if your dog starts having concern, you have gotten too high. Too soon. Absolutely. This can take months to do. I don't know that you're going to get this done between now and the 4th of July. Some can.
1: When we have a dog that has a fear or phobia, Will, how long do we typically work with that dog to fix that fear or phobia? Well, six months. Six months.
0: But that doesn't yeah. mean every dog's going to take six no, months and to do no, it.
1: And not every dog is going to take just six months. Some dogs right. take longer. Yeah. Some dogs are shorter. It now, just depends.
0: Let me talk a little more about the 4th of July yeah, because yeah. it is the one day a year Where more dogs run away, get killed, end up in the shelter than any other day. Some dogs are so scared, so freaked out, they will bust through a window to jump out to try to get away. Some dogs, if you put them in a crate, they might hurt themselves and bust out of that crate. Um... Dogs hurt themselves if they're really freaked out by it. So the thing I want you to make sure that you do, be home with your dog. Don't leave your dog at home if your dog's got a problem with fireworks, okay? You need to be there to help your dog with that. The other thing is make sure that your dog is either chipped or has an ID tag on. Because again, many, many, many dogs that have these fears and phobias, they freak out. They run away. Will,
1: to put this in perspective for you, I just looked up the numbers. Okay. According to the Maricopa Animal Shelter, Yes, they said in 2018, okay. by the morning of July 5th, Yes, the morning of July 5th, they had already secured 800 lost animals. That's dogs and cats. 800 in 2018, by the morning after the yep. 4th of July. Absolutely. That is that, I have chills. I have literal chills. Well, and and that's why, that. Hey, th-
0: this is a real thing. And, and there might be people sitting here saying, Oh yeah, my dog gets nervous. It's not that big of a deal. Hey, there's lots of dogs out there that really freak out. Absolutely. So that's who we're talking to right now. Make sure you're home, make sure that you have them in a very quiet environment. Hey, um, another place you can go into the bathroom and you can turn on the cold water, in the bathtub and kind of stay in there that's kind of a little bit of a soundproof room uh the water running kind of uh is white noise to help uh uh, mask the sound of uh, of the fireworks um and like i said this same process you do the same thing with any other kind of noise phobia it's just a different noise and absolutely where do you get the sound of, of fireworks go to youtube yep Go to YouTube, but make sure you play it on a Bluetooth speaker where it's going to sound real, more realistic. But again, low, 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 low. Everybody thinks the goal is to have the volume loud. That is not the goal. The goal is to teach the game. The goal is for the dog to understand when it begins to hear that sound, wonderful things are going to happen. exactly. And when they understand that, you will be able to keep moving forward little by little by little. Talk to your vet. Talk to your vet about the medication. Celio. If your dog really, really suffers, they don't need to suffer through that. Uh, most over-the-counter stuff doesn't work all that yeah. well, okay? Um, I but- think it's like reported approximately only
1: 3% of dogs uh, actually uh, benefit from, you know, like the, the Thunder shirts and things like that. It is possible that it could work, but again, there's a lot of stuff that you can buy over-the-counter that just doesn't really work. The real work, what actually works, counter
0: Counter-conditioning. Counter conditioning. Yep. and desensitization. And also, right. if you'd like a little more information on some of the steps, uh, more specifics on how you counter condition and desensitize a dog, you can also send us an email and we'll send you an article that goes through the process of counter conditioning and desensitization. Send your email to info at com. Again, that's info at PetTalkToday.com and type into the subject um, what was it? Oh, counter conditioning yep. and desensitization, <laughs> counter conditioning and desensitization. And, uh, we'll be sure to get that out to you yeah, as make, well.
1: Make sure you write the word counter conditioning and desensitization, like at least 15 times throughout the email, because as you can see in his old age, will is becoming forgetful. He may forget by the end of the email, what it was you were looking for. I'm
0: sorry. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. So Damir says, I always have tags and color on my dog. Even when inside. Good job. Ah, Lisa.
1: Lisa says her 16 week old pup does not like when she puts a leash on her. She pretty much stands or sits behind me and will not budge. How can she help to get her moving? Well, that's actually, believe it or not, that's a relatively simple one and we've talked about it, I think this will be fourth time that we've brought this up now. So you're going to start by just showing her the leash. Show her the leash Feed, 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 feed.
0: You know what I do? Yeah, what's that? What I do is I set the leash on the floor uh-huh. and I sprinkle treats all around it. Oh, and that's a good idea. I don't care if it takes the dog like three days to walk up to it. They're going to get up to it. And, and here's the reason why. Because the leash is given the food. Yeah.
1: Not me. That's right. That's right. That's a good idea. That's why I get paid the big bucks. That's, a, yeah, that's fair. That is fair. One thing that I do as well is, and I do this with collars when we have dogs that have collar problems, just like he was saying instead of doing it like where you sprinkle the treats and everything start taking that that leash wrap it up in a tight circle and then put the scoops of food inside of the leash the leash becomes the food bowl leash becomes the food bowl the dog starts associating needs with this leash needs food need water. most dogs like food yeah. so food's
0: usually a good yeah, thing yeah exactly but when they've got you know when they've got a big issue Uh, Make sure you're using high-value food. Because food's a paycheck. Yeah. All right? And if I've got a really tough job to do, um, I'm more motivated the more you pay me. Yeah. Don't be cheap with your dog. And listen, you're not bribing your dog. And the food is not forever. It fades away. Um, Use what works. And that works the best.
1: Absolutely. Now, after your dog is really getting comfortable with the leash and you're able to clip that leash on, a well, let's back up let's yeah, yeah, back up yeah, yeah, a little yeah. bit because oh, we had we it didn't, on the we didn't floor talk about we didn't talk about getting it on all right, right so
0: little by little you bring the leash closer to the dog yeah move it two inches towards the dog if the dog doesn't care feed 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 then take it away yeah keep doing that then three inches towards the dog then four inches then five inches okay each time successive approximations you're breaking down the whole act of putting a leash on the dog in in like 40 different steps imagine a movie yeah. frame by frame by frame this is what you're doing. Okay. And little by little, you're just moving the leash closer to the dog, pairing that with food until you get to the point where you clip it on the collar, feed, 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 take it off, clip it back on the collar, feed, 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 take it off little baby steps. Jordan, what else you want to say about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So now, now that you've gotten this leash, just getting closer and closer, remember You are moving at your dog's pace, not your pace. If your dog is showing that they are freaked out, scared, stressed, anything in any way, you've gone too far, too fast, too soon. All right. Now we've, we've been practicing this counter conditioning closer and closer and closer. I finally clipped the leash onto the dog. The second that that leash gets clipped, you start moving, get moving very, very quickly. All right. Don't give your dog the choice. Your dog has two options. Come with you or get dragged, okay? Those are your options. I promise you. I'm not telling you to drag your dog around and, you know, fling him around the house. No, your dog's going to get up and follow you. I promise you. Just start moving. Lots of fun, an explosion of fun, toys, treats. Oh, that's like a boy, right? Be happy, be excited, be energetic, be animated, and then unclip it and stop. Suddenly, you're done interacting with the dog. You're done looking at him. Treats disappear. Fun goes away, and then do it again. Clip that leash on and get moving. Lots of fun, lots of excitement, lots of treats, lots of toys, lots of everything, and then unclip the leash and stop.
0: Hey, Sandy. Sandy, are you still there? Hopefully, you're there. You asked a question. I can't find any trainers on your list for Orange County, California. I'm not sure what list you went to, but you need to go to the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers. What is that? C-C-P-D-T-dot-com. Or, or no, it's CC
1: pdt.org. I guarantee you
0: there's a ton mm-hmm. of certified trainers in Orange County, California. There's more certified trainers in California than anywhere in the country. Absolutely. So look there, Sandy, you'll find them.
1: Absolutely. I have a one year old. What kind is what? I'm, I don't understand the question, Sylvia. I do apologize. Let's
0: just read it. Sylvia says, I have a one year old Husky. What Kind, good is better, gore him. I try many brand. Okay, so I'm guessing this is food.
1: food? Oh, I think we should refer her to that nutritionist on YouTube, maybe? Okay,
0: yeah. And, and here's the thing. I believe April, no, August 8th. Mm-hmm. It's taken two years. Mm-hmm. I believe on August 8th. Is that a Saturday? Look and uh, see if August check. 8th. Let me check. Anyway, we're going to have Dr. She's a veterinarian. Dr. Karen Becker. On the show, we're going to be interviewing Dr. Karen Becker. It's taken two years to book her because she's that much in demand. Dr. It'll be Karen seventh. Okay, so August seventh, Dr. Karen Becker is the foremost authority on canine nutrition. Actually, all companion animal yeah. nutrition. Um, she is the leading authority. She knows more about foods for your pets and what is good, what is bad uh, than anybody. As far as I'm concerned, in the world, Ooh. and trust me, regular veterinarians, they know little to nothing about diet and nutrition. You don't want to go to them for advice. absolutely. however, a veterinary nutritionist like Dr. Karen Becker, they're the people you want to go to. Um, if you want some information right now about food and about Dr. Karen Becker, you can go to YouTube and just go ahead and type Dr. Karen Becker and bring up her YouTube page yep and boy she's got uh oh video, gosh, after, video after video after
1: and it, video and it doesn't matter what kind of feeding it is that you're looking to do yeah. she can help you figure out how to do it right for your dog absolutely
0: so check that out and be sure to be here on August 7th when we do interview Dr. Karen Becker. I'm Will Bangura. And I'm Jordan Marsteller. And you're listening to Pet Talk Today here on Facebook Live. We're here every Saturday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. where we take your questions, we take your calls, and we provide you with practical, positive solutions to help help change and modify your dog's behavior so that we can increase the quality of their life, increase the quality of your life. You can have a better relationship, a better bond with your pet. Not everybody can afford private in-home training, and that's why we do Pet Talk today. This is our way to give back to the community. Do us a favor. If you're watching, please Click and share, click that share button, share this to your page so that more people can benefit from this and learn about us. Also, please click that like button. The more times people click that like button, the more times this is shared, the more people get to see it because Facebook will present it to more people. In addition to that, um, if you're listening, if you're watching, uh, do us a favor put in the comments section who you are. And where you're from and what kind of dog you have. And if, hey, you've got a picture of your dog, post that in the comments, too. We would love to see that. All right.
1: Yeah, perfect. So we have another question from Irene. Irene says that Teddy, her Border Collie, uh, Border Collie Shelty mix is very anxious. He barks like crazy in the car, the wipers, horns, and people. And if people come to the house, Irene, I'm going to start off by saying um with that little bit of information it sounds like you may be dealing with a generalized anxiety but again i need a lot more information to come to a finalized uh idea here you know what what i believe is going on and so with that being said step 1 you need you're going to need to get in contact with a professional bare minimum get in contact with somebody that can help evaluate your dog whether that is us at phoenixdogtraining.com or somebody else that is specialized in behavior
0: one of the things that that you are going to need to do is have a list of all of these triggers that cause your dog to have anxiety. Absolutely. And what you're going to want to do is you're going to first identify what's the location. Okay. Then you're going to identify what's the trigger. Yep. Then you're going to say what the behavior is and don't say anxiety. Anxiety is not a behavior. That's an emotional state. A behavior might be panting, drooling, pacing, trembling, trembling. Okay. What type of behavior does your dog engage in when that trigger is presented? Absolutely. Okay. And not only that, but there's always a reinforcer. And a lot of people don't see it. Behaviors become functional.
1: Absolutely. Is,
0: are you creating distance and space when the dog's fearful? Because that will reinforce that. Okay. Absolutely. But you've got to create this trigger list. Again, location, trigger the dog's behavior. Then you want to score this. You're going to start with intensity or no, I'm sorry, frequency. How often does your dog engage in anxious behavior when exposed to the trigger? Is it one out of 10 times, two out of 10, four out of 10, eight out of 10, 10 out of 10? You're going to grade that on a scale from one to 10. Every time that trigger is presented, does the dog respond? That's a 10 out of 10. Or is it just Two out of 10 times. That's frequency. going to score of that. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to score intensity or severity of the dog's anxiety. Again, on a scale of 1 to 10, 10 is the most severe, uh, 1 being the least severe. So again, we've got location. We've got trigger. We've got behavior. We've got frequency of the behavior. We've got intensity or severity of behavior. The other thing we're going to mark down, the other thing that we're going to score is is duration. How long does the dog engage in the anxious behavior when that trigger is presented? You're going to put that down in seconds, minutes, hours, or days, okay? Hopefully it's not days. Now, the other thing besides duration that we want to put down is um, how long does it take the dog to get back to normal? You know, your dog might not be displaying A lot of outward behaviors after the trigger goes away with anxiety, but your dog internally might not be the same for two or three days, depending upon what's going on, or your dog might not be the same dog that you normally have for 30 minutes after or 10 minutes after. Yeah. How long does it take your dog to get back to baseline? Absolutely. Because you're going to need to work with each and every one of those triggers in those locations and do the counter conditioning and desensitization that we've been talking about yep. a lot today. All right. And you're going to have to apply that to each and everything. And it's difficult. That's why Jordan said, Hey, um, you might need to hire a professional. Absolutely. Okay. Um, if, if you want to uh, hire a professional, uh, make sure that you find somebody that's certified. Yeah. Okay. Either a certified professional trainer, certified uh, behavior consultant. Um, go to the Certification Council for Professional Dog Trainers. Um, what's their web address? It is CC That is Charlie, Charlie, Papa Delta Tango. CC
1: PDT.org. And go to there, find a trainer. It's right there at the very top of the page and type in your zip code and it will pull up everybody that is certified within a certain mile radius. So please, again, whenever you have these types of behavior issues, you need to at least consult with a professional, bare minimum.
0: Absolutely. If you've got a question and, or if you've got a comment about today's show, feel free to send us an email. If you've got an idea Something you'd like us to talk about that maybe we haven't on the show, send us an email. Send your comments, um, ideas to info at pettalktoday.com. Again, that's info at pettalktoday.com. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we have another question from Tiffany
1: um this is i i'm gonna need some follow-up here but how can i get my puppy to not be carsick all the time he's a four-month-old poodle well when you say carsick explain that to me i need to know what you mean by car sick. is he throwing up is he vomiting is he just trembling drooling panting what's going on what wait a minute carsick? you're saying tiffany yeah tiffany at the very bottom are you not are you not seeing that comment there well, well we got two tiffany's and I, I didn't go all the way to the bottom oh that so. makes sense Sorry there about we go that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Tiffany, here's the thing. I need to know what you mean by car sick, because if your dog is getting in the car and vomiting, that's a that's a pretty concerning thing. That sounds like car sickness and you need to consult. Usually.
0: With your yeah. Consult with your veterinarian, rule out, you know, other problems to make sure that this isn't just related to anxiety. OK. Yeah. absolutely. But a lot of times, you know dogs get very anxious about car. rides. Absolutely.
1: Which is, you know, it's very interesting to me. And maybe you, maybe you found studies on it, but I cannot think of a good reason why a dog, why it's so common for dogs to be scared of car rides other than every dog. The only time that they really get in the car is to go to the vet. You know, Mm -hmm. I mean, that would make sense to me. Well,
0: imagine if you went into your bedroom and it started moving.
1: Okay. That's fair. All right. (laughs) Imagine you're in
0: your crate and it started moving. And yeah. in addition to it moving, it wasn't always smooth. Yeah. In addition yeah. to that, it's a very small, confined and space. And it can be loud. And it can be loud. And there's yeah. all these visual stimuli going back and that forth. That makes sense. Um, so one of the things that you want to begin to do is present the dog to the car, feed, 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 high value food rewards for two to three to four to five seconds. And then turn the dog away from the car. Stop feeding. And repeat that over and over and over. And little by little, just get the dog closer and closer and closer to the car. And then maybe the next step a week later is getting the dog right up to the car and opening the door and feed, 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 feed and closing the door. And opening the door and feed, 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 feed feed, and closing the door. Then maybe after that, when the dog gets comfortable with that, it's about the puppy just getting its paw Into the car, or it just gets in the car. You haven't started it. You haven't gone anywhere. The dog gets in there. Feed, 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 feed. Take the dog out. Put the puppy back in. Feed, 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 feed. Take the puppy out. Tiffany followed up. She said, yes, he's throwing up. He likes car rides. He
1: always wants to go in the car. He's excited to go. However... He just throws up whenever they're in the car. All right. So this she could, doesn't even feed him for four hours before. Yeah, a car ride. So
0: there's a couple things. OK, your dog could be getting too happy, overly stimulated. Yeah. That's possible. The other thing is you may have a dog that, you know, loves the car ride, but gets motion, motion sick. sick. Now, the interesting thing about that, being sick is aversive.
1: Yeah. Why yeah. is the
0: dog still loving the car ride?
1: Yeah, hey, competing motivators. He must really enjoy those car rides.
0: Exactly. You know, everything is on the scales of justice. Yeah, okay? exactly. Uh, what's greater? You know, like yeah, I don't it's, like throwing up, but you know of, what? I like going for the car ride a whole lot better. So I'll deal with. I'll deal with throwing it's up. It's Kind of like being lactose
1: intolerant. And but you love milk, right? Exactly. And you're at dinner and you're just sitting across from your wife and you they go, Hey, would you like any dessert? And you go, Yeah, I want me a big old bowl of vanilla ice cream. And your wife gives you that look, competing motivators.
0: Exactly. <laughs> right? Compe- competing That's that, motivators. yeah, exactly. So um, you know, I don't know, maybe your dog again is overstimulated. Arousal is stress. And if I'm too aroused, even though I'm happy, I'm crazy happy. I mean, I could get myself so worked up. Gloria, Um, I'm sorry that I interrupted no. you. But Gloria from
1: earlier, she yeah. actually also responded to this throwing up thing. Yeah. She said that her poodle used to throw up every time that they rode in the car. Mm-hmm. After going to the vet, they found out that there was some sort of developmental issue mm. in the brain. Yeah. And basically, the dog just ended up growing out of it. Now, again, I'm not saying, Tiffany, that that's your problem. uh, Because but. I'm not a veterinarian. Not yet, at but. least soon. But.
0: Okay. All true professionals, all educated professionals, all certified professionals, the first thing we're going to do, we're going to take the dog to the vet and rule out medical. Absolutely. Step one. You'd be amazed how many problems have a contributing factor, not necessarily the complete and total cause, but a contributing factor that's medical. And that doesn't mean it's always identified right away either. Right. Okay. Sometimes that's difficult. You know, the problem with pets, they can't tell you what's wrong. No. So a lot
1: of it's no. A that's guessing why game. veterinary medicine Trailing and error. dog training. It's not. It's it's not the easiest. You no. really got to know what you're looking for. You no. have to be able to. You have to be able to properly diagnose something. Yeah. Now and they can't talk to you.
0: I would tell you to go to the vet first, okay, um, and then maybe you can look to some natural anti nausea issues. Maybe your vet prescribes an anti nausea. Yeah. Uh, medication. Um, But rule out that medical first and do the counter conditioning. And if everything's ruled out medically, they can't find anything medically wrong, ask at least temporarily, does the veterinarian recommend some kind of anti-nausea medication that can kind of help get you through this until the dog is a little older and maybe gets used to it? But um, that overexcitability in that car. Yeah. I might work with that too. So if I get the dog in the car and the dog's excited, I might pull him right back out. And I put him back in, he gets excited I'm going to pull him him back out. out. Once he gets in and he's a little calm, then I'm going to feed him.
1: Absolutely. But
0: when he gets excited, I'm going to pull him out. That's called negative punishment. You're taking away something the dog wants when it's behaving a way you don't want it to. And the dog starts realizing that, Hey, every time I get so excited, I have to come out of the car. And once they get that, once that light bulb goes on through conditioning, then things can get a little Absolutely. bit better as well. Absolutely. So this is a multi-pronged approach. Take it to the vet. Yep. Okay. Maybe there's a medical problem. Maybe medication is helpful. Then do the behavior modification that we're talking about um, and maybe address that excitability yeah, as well. Exactly.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, today today has been fantastic. I appreciate each and every one of you for being here, for listening to our show, for asking your fantastic questions, for being so phenomenal with the likes, the shares. Please, again, hit and smash that like button. Give us that love. Comment your location where you're from and give us a share. We are doing this for you. Thank you all so very much. It's been a fantastic show today.
0: Absolutely. Well, that means that we are just about done. I want to thank everybody as well for being here and bringing your questions to the show. We're going to be back here next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m., so be sure that you join us. Have a great weekend, everybody. We're out of here. Don't forget to train. That's all, folks.